episode 92 of talk more talk a solo beatles video cast wow things are really looking up up right uh, and uh we're uh, just you know moving along we are as y'all know we are a bi-monthly talk show mainly dealing with the solo oh, career weekly bi-weekly yes thank you what <laughs> <laughs> do i know we're bi-weekly Right, there we go. Uh, talk show mainly dealing with the solo careers of John Paul, George, and Ringo. Every once in a while, we'll, we'll dig into a, a box set of the Beatles when it gets released, and hopefully we'll get some more real soon. Uh, it's been kind of a slow slow year for releases, and I think maybe that, that's okay right now. Let's, let's give our wallet some time to, uh, to uh, you know, rest up and, and, and recharge <laughs> for maybe the, uh, the last quarter of the, of the year, because I'm sure there's going to be some goodies coming, hopefully. But anyways, I'm Tom Hunyadi. You may know me from my other show, Two Legs, a, so, uh, a Paul McCartney podcast. I am uh, all tongues today. Anyways. Um, but today, <laughs> it's the John I'm Lennon still, shirt. It's the John Lennon shirt. It's getting me all mixed up. Uh, today, we got a special show for you all. We're doing a Q&A. Uh, you guys sent us some questions, and we're going to give you some answers. And I got a bunch of questions uh, over here on another screen. And uh, you guys can join us during the show and give us some questions, too. Right, not right yet, but in a little bit, uh, we'll, we'll ask you guys to give us some questions. Um, but before that, let's, let's get to, uh, to my three co-hosts. Uh, my wonderful co-hosts and uh first up we're going to go with uh with uh, our buddy mean mr mayo joe mayo who's got that wonderful youtube channel um mean mr mayo where he deals with all things beatles solo beatles rants just music in general i mean the vinyl collections uh, you know videos the, the vinyl finds of all kinds uh if you want uh, if you want media up to a certain point then <laughs> you're gonna like what you see with with joe mayo and joe how you doing my friend hello tom doing well thank you looking forward to this q a tonight all right we've got some good ones uh next up um she might be a little spotty today it might be a little hit or miss uh with her with her connection unfortunately uh, she is also the queen of the weather in Illinois, and she caused up some, some thunderstorms uh, because, uh, you know, I, the, the grass has to get, you know, wet too every once in a while. So uh, the connection might not be uh, good, but, but you know her, you love her from, from books such as songs we were singing. Uh, if you're new out there, uh, if you haven't checked out her book, uh, her books, I should say, uh, check this one out, songs we were singing. And she always has these, this book here and, and fandom in the Beatles that she she, she worked on with our, our good buddy, Ken Womack. And uh, I, I, I 
probably probably 100% sure she's going to have a couple of these books over at the uh, the Fest for Beatles fans in Chicago coming up next or uh, in August, right? And uh, yeah, yep. you know, so she can sell out again, so she can be another sellout you know, for this for August. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> And as as Ken uh, alluded to earlier, because we 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 had a, we had fun earlier with another bonus episode, we'll talk about later. But you pretty much just said it. She is the queen of everything. So it's just the queen. Kit, how are you doing, my friend? <laughs> I'm great, Tom. And yes, uh, we uh, here in uh, the Chicago area just avoided a tornado. Yeah. So, uh, so I'm really glad uh, that uh, that we uh, we just missed it. So that's why my connection may be a little spotty tonight. So, right. uh, so I think uh-huh. you guys can hear me okay. But if I'm a little stuttery, that's can why. hear you all right. Hopefully, there's no hurricane. Hurricane. Hopefully not. Yeah. Hopefully not. But she looks safe in an octopus's garden right now, swimming around with some yellow submarines. Yep. So I think she'll be. That's that's right. Safe. This is my safe. Right safe space there you go (laughs) and last but certainly not least you you know him from many multiple things and he's one third of the the power pop trio that is known as things we said today uh with with alan cozen and darren devivo these guys just bring it uh you know again that they're a bi bi bi-weekly show as well and uh the the wealth of knowledge that these three individuals have and they bring to the table is just yeah, you know, I've learned so much listening to um, to uh, Ken's show since uh, 2012, I believe it started. And um, he's also responsible for the Ken Michaels Radio YouTube channel, where she, where he has all kinds of guests, whether they're podcasters, uh, young young Beatle fans, uh, musicians that have worked with the with the the, the Beatles, uh, DJs, you name it. If it's related to the Beatles, he has them on. Ken Michaels, how you doing? I'm doing great, Tom. How you yeah. doing, Joe and Kit? Can't wait Good. to connect with all of our listeners and viewers. Absolutely, absolutely. So before we get to that Q and A, we're also Ken Michael's going to do some news. We're also going to talk about the, the recent Ringo shows, and and Ken Michael with 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 Ken and, and Joe, and Ken's also going to talk about seeing a Ring or sorry Paul at the Fenway Stadium. Um, so, but before that, Ken with the news, take it away. <laughs> Thank you, Tom. Well, as I'm sure you all know, and many of us have been so disappointed to hear this, Ringo's All-Star Band Tour has been postponed until September. This is due to the fact that two of the band members, first Edgar Winter, then Steve Lukather, have tested positive for COVID. Ringo is quoted as saying, we are so sorry to let the fans down. It's been wonderful to be back on the road, and we have been having such a great time playing for you all. But as you know, COVID is still here, and despite being careful, these things happen. I want to thank the fans for their uh, patience. I send you all peace and love, and we can't wait to be back in the fall. Like I said, the shows will be rescheduled for September, which is also uh, when Ringo was supposed to start the second leg of his tour. And uh, when the rescheduled dates become available, they'll be posted on Ringo's website, ringostar.com kind of concerned about this because there are 12 shows that are being postponed and then there's an additional 20 shows from the second leg so just just figure that sometime early september uh ringo will be back with the all-stars but he'll be doing uh the second leg goes 
up through October 20th. So it's 32 concerts for him mm. from early September uh, through October 20th. It's going to be 282. That's, that's not going to be easy. Seems like he's handling it fine, though. I mean, he's up there doing jumping jacks. I'm sure he'll be doing jumping jacks <laughs> in his hotel rooms, uh, you know, keeping in good shape. And uh, I'm sure he'll handle it just fine. He's making us all look bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's for sure. Also, Saturday, June 25th is the 13th anniversary of Global Beatles Day. Starting in 2009, it notes the anniversary of the Beatles' historic worldwide broadcast performance of their song, All You Need Is Love. And given the state of the world right now, the founder of Global Beatles Day, Faith Cohen, is suggesting honoring the contributions of the Beatles by playing their music exclusively on that day, along with sharing historic and personal photos to the band's worldwide community. She is also suggesting to send the link for the performance of All You Need Is Love to 10 people in your life that really matter. This could be to family, friends, coworkers, or elected officials. It could be kings, queens, princes, presidents, ambassadors, <laughs> military leaders, <laughs> and law enforcement organizations. Uh, she says we want them to send links to 10 people or organizations that matter in running our world and keeping it going. Then we want uh, them to ask those 10 entities to send it on to 10 more and ask them to do the same on and on from the United States, Europe, Russia, China, and even North Korea. Send the link to those in power from the local to global level who keep the world running. All right, that's a great idea, definitely. Cool. Mark it down, yeah. June 25th for that. One major release coming out this month is Olivia Harrison's new book of 20 poems, one for each year since George's passing called Came the Lightning. 20 poems for George. It's 104 pages with 33 illustrations. And here is a brief description from Olivia. Here on the shore, 20 years later, my message in a bottle has reached dry land. Words about our life, his death, but mostly love and our journey to the end. End of quote. Olivia's book will be released by Genesis Publications. That's on June 21st. That's a week from tomorrow. Hmm. Then there's news about another book coming from George's first wife, Patty Boyle. <laughs> According to the Beatles in Print Together and Solo Facebook page, Patty Boyd is back in the news. Uh, she announced that she will have a new book coming out in October called Patty Boyd, My Life in Pictures. The publisher, Real, R-E-E-L, Real Art Press, said in their press release, my Life in Pictures is a deluxe visual treasure trove featuring over 300 photographs and artworks with Patty sharing full and intimate access to her personal archive for the first time. <clears throat> Patty's, archive, Patty's archive includes uh, letters, postcards from friends, diary entries, artifacts and artworks. Most famously, the original Layla album cover painting by Emil Fransen. It features extensive photographs from her early modeling career, including Vogue and Vanity Fair, giving a fascinating snapshot into the sea change that occurred in the modeling industry from the post-war demure black and white approach to the psychedelic short skirt swinging 60s. The pictorial feast of imagery, I like how they were that, pictorial mm -hmm. feast, in My Life in Pictures is further brought alive by Patty's accompanying stories and recollections and all the pre-orders at Real Art Press, 
will be signed by Patty Boyd. Also, Ringo's artwork was just on display through June the 12th at the C. Parker Gallery in Greenwich, Connecticut, called Painting is My Madness 2, T-O-O, and it's described as a unique retrospective of Ringo's artwork from 2005, including two never-released limited edition prints exclusive to the C. Parker Gallery. All right, Julian Lennon performed for the Everland concert for climate, uh, climate, and he did a song called Change. This is during UNEP, U-N-E-P, that stands for United Nations Environment Program, World Environmental Day Celebrations. Julian was commissioned by Everland to create the theme track for a sequence of quick documentary movies about forest conservation initiatives that he represents. He not only performed this new song, Change, but also his chestnut song about the environment, Salt Water, and the song, Someday. Also, Time Magazine has a brand new collector's uh, edition out to celebrate Paul's 80th birthday, written by Glenn Greenberg, covering his entire life and career from the Beatles to today. You can now order the issue on Amazon, and it can be found in select supermarkets, bookstores, and drugstores. Wish I could bring out my copy. It's in the other room. <laughs> yeah, I saw it the other day when I was on a checkout line. <laughs> I, saw it. I hope to be interviewing the author pretty soon. I'm working on Ooh. that. Uh, the magazine oh, yeah. Classic Pop Presents has a new issue devoted to Paul, also for his 80th birthday. The front page reads, The Life and Times of a Pop Genius. Then, Beyond the Beatles, Hits, Harmony, and Heartbreak. This is a 132-page collector's issue. I'm also told Life Magazine has an issue devoted to Paul as well. Many precious items, once owned by the late legendary BBC DJ John Peel, will be going up for auction through Bonhams. For Beatle fans, these would include a ticket to the 1968 premiere of the film Yellow Submarine at the London Pavilion and autographed copies of the Beatles' White Album with John's signature on it and John's signature on the Two Virgins album, with the couple, of course, being nude on the front cover which has an, an estimated price of $25,000. Now this auction act actually starts tomorrow. And to register, you can go to bottoms.com. A few big events happening. There'll be a Beatles festival in Charlotte, North Carolina on July 22nd and 23rd. Among the guests there will be the band The Circle, Mickey Dolans, and the tribute bands The Fab Four and the Tosco uh, Music Beatles Tribute. For more information, you can go to their website, fabfestcharlotte.org. The Fab Four Music Festival, hosted by Charles Rosenay, is a one-day all-Beatles and solo music festival with 10 bands from the tri-state area playing. This year, it'll be held on August the 6th at the Simsbury Meadows Performing Arts Center in Simsbury, Connecticut. For more information, you can go to fab4, that's the number four, musicfestival.com. And Pete Best will be making a rare appearance in the United States. They'll be appearing at the Super Mega Fest at the Westford Regency Inn in Westford, Massachusetts, the weekend of September 30th through October the 2nd. And I'm thinking of going there, by the way. Excuse me. <laughs> it's going to be a long drive, but uh, I, never, I never met Pete. Okay. It's, it's, it's not that often that he comes here to the U.S. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's, he's up there in age two. 
Um, for more information, go to supermegafest.com. Of course, a reminder, the Fest for Beetle fans happening at the Hyatt Regency O'Hare in Chicago, August 12th through the 14th. Go to thefest.com for more information. That's right. it. Cool. Um, has anybody got any information on the, the, the May Pang John Lennon Lost Weekend documentary? Um, does anybody know where to, they can see it? Is it streaming anywhere? Does anyone know? I do not. Um, I, 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 I know that, um, you know, you had to uh, purchase a ticket online. I think it's being okay. uh, screened. I'm trying to remember which film festival it is, but those are sold out. However, I heard that it will probably be, be streamed. Uh, I think it needs a distributor, but I think it's okay. safe to say it'll find right. one soon because yeah. the buzz Right. Yeah, the buzz on it is very positive. So I think, you know, no word on a physical release yet. I think it's a little soon. But okay. uh, but I've heard that, you know, word is there's going to be a streaming you know, right. general release at some point. And I believe our good friend Ken Womack reviewed the, uh, the film as well, um, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Yep, yep. He, he did. Um, Yep. And uh, also Skylar Moody, uh, who is, uh, uh, Ken uh, um, interviewed her on uh, his uh, YouTube channel, Ken Michaels Radio. She attended a screening uh, of it and reviewed it on, on her channel, uh, did a, a quick review of it, which is right. uh, really worth watching. It's, uh, it's a really, uh, had some very interesting insights uh, into it. Okay. So yeah. Skylar Moody. Uh, right. Check her out on Facebook yeah. and on TikTok. The Skyler movie. And uh, Ed Chen says the uh, Tribeca. Uh, yes. Right. Thank you. Showing on, yep. Single I, showing on Friday the 10th. That's right. Okay. Which I believe is sold out. I, I mean, yeah. online. Yeah. Not surprised. Not surprised. Okay. Excellent. Thank you, Ken. Thank you, Kits. Thank you, Joe. Um, let's get to some reviews here. Uh, Ringo just did a, uh, before the um, unfortunate postponing of the tour, uh, he did a little stint at the, the Beacon Theater and, and our own Ken Michaels and, and Joe Mayo were, I don't think we're at the same shows, but they were at different shows. And uh, Joe, why don't we start with you? How was your experience seeing uh, Ringo this time at the Beacon? Well, uh, I had a wonderful time. Uh, every, first of all, everything worked out great. The weather was great. Well, when I first got there and uh, taking a trip in with my friend Robert S., we went uh, into Manhattan, had a great time, great weather. And we first stopped off to the Dakota and Strawberry Fields, which was mm -hmm. nice to, to go over there and spend some time before the show. And then the actual show. Uh, I just thought it was wonderful. Ringo, again, you know, I don't have to repeat what everyone's saying. Looks fantastic. Has all the stamina, energy uh, of, of a young person jumping around, doing jumping jacks, uh, you know, going crazy on stage. Really, absolutely full of energy and inspiration to, to us all. And uh, one thing I noticed right away, this being the third show, uh, third of, of three in, at the Beacon, the last show of the, of the stint there, I noticed that Edgar Winter wasn't there. And now, you know, mm -hmm. I didn't know why Ringo didn't make any announcement or say anything. He just wasn't there. And now we know that he had COVID. Uh, and supposedly Ringo mm -hmm. mentioned that the second show, he wasn't, he wasn't at the second show. I'm sure Ken will get into 
his show, Ken saw the first show uh, of three. But the second show, Ringo supposedly did uh, mention why Edgar wasn't there, but he didn't say anything in the show I went to. But uh, yeah, Ringo was in good form. The band was in great form. He really loves playing with these guys. He's been doing it for like 10 years now, I think. Um, I don't know if any songs varied, because I started wondering if they replaced any songs because uh, Edgar Winter hadn't shown up there. Right. Uh, he did Octopus's Garden. He did yeah. I'm the Greatest. Those two struck me as being a little unusual. Ken, what do you... What do you... Well, he's done I'm the Greatest quite a lot on his all Yeah, well, but, but I've the... seen him in past years. Yeah. Octopus's Garden was the big surprise, because really he's only done that with uh, the Roundheads, you know, on a few yeah. select shows and on uh, Storytellers on VH1. So, and he always made a point to say he's not going to do Yellow Submarine and Octopus's Garden. He's not going to do the two underwater songs in the same show. And so, you know, a lot of people have questioned him through the years. Why don't you do Octopus's Garden? Well, he, he started mm -hmm. doing this, uh, doing the song on this tour. But um, I was fortunate because the show that I went to did mm -hmm. have Edgar Winter. And I think the band was fantastic overall. I mean, they were just cooking very, very tight. Um, I will say that the mix there at the Beacon, I thought was pretty bad though, because mm -hmm. uh, it's very echoey mm -hmm. there from where I was uh, sitting. A lot of people I know said the same thing, but I couldn't find fault with the band because they really were clicking. They were on all cylinders. Um, you could have predicted all the songs that would have been done. Same songs that you would expect from these band members. Um, and, uh, you know, Colin Hay is, is back. Actually, you know, if you go back a few years before COVID, this is the same band that he had then, as well as adding Hamish Stewart uh, to the band. Mm. Um, but I did notice that there was something different about Edgar that night because... You know, he's always so fired up and so full of energy. And even on his worst night, he still has energy. But, you know, he didn't seem to be as close to the others physically. There are some times there when, especially on Frankenstein, he and Warren Hamm would play the sax together and be right next to each other on stage. Mm -hmm. But usually if you're used to seeing the band, especially with Greg Raleigh, um, and I guess most of the other all-star bands too, the, the keyboard, would always be facing the band. When I saw this show, the first of the three shows, the keyboard was facing the opposite direction and Edgar's back was to the band. There wasn't as much of a close feeling between Edgar and all the others. Okay. Hmm. Um, Interesting. Yeah, and, and like Joe said, it was only on uh, the second show when Ringo announced that Edgar had COVID and on the third show, he didn't say a word about it. And so yeah. from what I understand, the shows were exactly the same except minus the Edgar Winter songs, which means you didn't get Frankenstein, you didn't get Free Ride. Right. right. Also, uh, has been doing Johnny Be Good since it's on the brand new tribute album to his brother, Johnny. And uh, and that sounded great. But the business was fantastic. Hmm? And, and it's just a shame that such a talented group, you know, you can't, you know, fit in three other songs, you know, to make up or I, it's just me. I mean, I, you know, if you can't make up three songs in that group, hmm. I mean, 
Shame on you. Do, Ringo could have done Snookaroo. I wouldn't have had a oh, problem absolutely. with that. <laughs> Ringo could have easily. They could have easily done three other songs. I, I wholeheartedly believe they could have done three other Ringo songs. Uh, be what is it? Be good, Johnny. Uh, uh, oh, be good, John. Yeah, that. You know, <laughs> what's my name? You know, with yeah. well, oh, yeah. I was going to mention that, and Astro Jer brought it up in the comments. Mm-hmm. Nothing from What's My Name or the song What's My Name. I mean, I you know, that that's insane. Yeah. I mean, that would be perfect for I yeah. mean for his live shows. Right. You know, the song, yeah. It seems like Ringo's set list for himself is getting even safer. Right. You know? And uh yeah. the most recent music was from nineteen seventy-three. Mm. You know? Wow. I, I, before I forget, Ken, I, I yeah, I should mention too. I haven't mentioned it in a rare effort not to be so negative. However, I did think that uh, the sound was off. I didn't really want uh, the beacon one the show I went to where I was sitting anyway. You know, I was kind of up up a level. And I did a, I did a video which I would urge everybody to see. It's really a fun video. It has segments from the yeah. show, but it also has the Strawberry Fields and uh, you know Dakota visit, which is is also fun uh, to go there on a nice day. I mean, but you know. But um, yeah, well, when I made the video, I thought that some of the, the songs didn't sound as, as bad as when I was there. It's weird. But I enjoyed myself, nevertheless. I mean, I, I think it got better for me to my ears as, as the night went on. Right. When I first heard it, I was a little taken aback. I was like, so the sound isn't so good, you know. Right. That's a shame. I enjoyed too, myself. I was, it's a shame because I was there in April, you know, you know, right after the fest, um, the last day of the fest to see a show there. And, and I thought it sounded amazing. So. I'm, you know, that's disappointing to hear that you guys uh, experienced. Um... Oh no, but I had a great time. I, I was, I had a good time. You know, it's still a okay. great show no matter what. But right. even when, when band members were talking on stage, I had trouble hearing what they were saying because it was very okay. to me. Interesting. And, you okay. Know, yeah, I brought this up from time to time. Having seen all of Ringo's tours. Early on, he used to do something which he stopped doing several years ago, which is having solo members do solo, have solo moments and be mm. alone on stage, or they might be with another musician. And if you're caught in a position like this where you don't have Edgar Winter, how difficult would it have been to have Colin Hay just come up on stage and do a song on acoustic guitar, which right. he could probably do in his sleep? You know, he's, he tours every single year. All these, all these musicians are so talented where they can just do a song alone. Absolutely. For the most part. So, you know, you could make up for the loss of songs that way. And I will tell you that it is such a joy to see Frankenstein performed by this man, even though Ringo leaves the stage for that. But Greg Bissonette, oh my God, what a monster on drums. You know, the way that- yeah, I'm watching Ringo through most of the show when it, when he's drumming, but I'm also watching Greg watching Ringo and how he compliments him. <laughs> but um, there's a moment there towards the end of Frankenstein um, where Greg does a solo by himself and he does the drum parts of Come Together and he also does the drum part of Tomorrow Never Knows. Oh. And he does... Um, Honky Tonk Women. <laughs> also, you know, he sneaks all this in there. Wow. And then he goes back with, there, there's like a, a drum duel between him and Edgar Winter. And it's a lot of fun to watch. Um, a killer performance. It's a song that's so great to do live by any band. Oh, and yeah. Edgar Winter yeah. switches from 
keyboards to sax to drums and it, it's such a great moment and um it still was a, a fantastic show uh, i just mm -hmm. wish you know like you said the song what's my name colin hay wrote it he's there in yeah. the what's right the yeah. <laughs> yeah no brainer the, the, audience, the audience could do, the audience could interact yeah. Right. <laughs> but, uh, I have one thing about Edgar Winter I want to say too. Frankenstein, I bought that single when I was like 11 years old. Yeah. I mean, I, I the short version, but then later I got the album, which is a little longer. But uh, I love that song. And uh, also, I like Free Ride. Uh, you know, had, had I not I, seen Edgar in the past with the All Stars, then I would have been ultra disappointed. I mean, you know, I wasn't happy that he wasn't there. But at least I got to see him in, do Frankenstein with the All-Stars, uh, you know, and, and Free Ride in the past when I'd seen him mm. with the band. Yeah. Okay. But, All right. Uh, an amazing show, no matter what. And uh, just sorry that two of the members got COVID. You get a chance, see them when they come back in September. Um, uh, should, should I add that, um, you know, again, this is like with the, McCartney set list talk, trying to be objective. You know, I mean, I have a good time. No matter who Ringo is with, I'll have a good time. These guys, they work really good with Ringo. They, you know, Ringo loves playing with these guys. But one of the, the, the appealing things of all these all-star tours in the past were always, who's he going to have as the lineup this tour? Right. You know, and he hasn't changed them. I don't know if he's ever going to change them anymore. You know, it'd be nice to have a different lineup too, much as I like this one. Well, like right. I said, he brought yeah. back Colin Hay and Hamish Stewart, you know, because uh, Todd Rundgren mm -hmm. left a while ago and Richard Page left as well. Mm -hmm. so to make up for them, he added these two musicians. And I know right. it's up before, yeah. but um, the song, We're on the Road Again. <laughs> Ringo yeah. Lewis with Steve Lukather. He's in the band. He's in the band. They're on the road. <laughs> on the road. <laughs> he even said that. Ringo even says that one, one point. On the road again, he says. Well, yeah, speaking on of on again. the road again, Paul is also on the road again. And Ken Michaels, you got to see him. Uh, I believe it was the first show at uh, Fenway Park. He did a back-to-back -back night stint at Fenway. And you got to, to the first uh, show, correct? And uh, how was that? It was very good. Um the thing that I noticed was that um, Paul's vocals, I think, were a little bit better than the last time that I saw him. I'm not going to mm -hmm. you know, say he sang great, but I think that um, he was more in control of his voice. And I spent a lot of time really just focusing on Paul and his singing. And I think the, the thing that I want to bring up is that he wasn't trying as much to really sing loud or to project himself he was doing what he was capable of doing and not trying to push himself to go beyond that and i think uh he absolutely doing that um and like you were saying kit i was stunned that he pulled off maybe i'm amazed as well as he did yeah. not 1976 yeah. right amazed, but it still is pretty darn good yep. and um you know, the band was great. Again, I had a problem with the mix from where I was sitting. Uh, there were too many times when I felt Paul's vocals were drowned out. And um, this is to be expected now. Every time you see McCartney in concert, it's so much of a big event. It's a religious experience. There are certain songs like Hey Jude, where mm -hmm. everybody sings it in the crowd. And I'm looking at Paul on the screen 
I want to hear Paul sing it, <laughs> but I'm just seeing, <laughs> you know, right. same thing with Obla Di Obla Da, which is a great crowd pleaser. Um, it's just great to have that kind of feeling, that electricity in the air and mm. the reverence that's there for him uh, at these concerts. And Boston, I've said before, is my favorite place, Fenway Park, to see Paul, because I really think they really do it up in the city. There's posters everywhere. McCartney's back. And even, you know, I was watching the news there on television. They're giving the weather. Uh, the weather tonight for the Paul McCartney concert, uh, 86 degrees. <laughs> I always mention McCartney. And uh, they say it all over the radio. They really give him a welcome. Um, I pay careful attention to people getting up out of their seats at certain songs. And even though there are a few people who got up for my Valentine, nothing as bad as it as I've seen in New York. Um, I think they're far more respectful of Paul in that town. Mm. Boston is a great Beatle town. It really is. And, um, okay. you know, um, I really love the show. And the thing that surprised me the most is that, and, and you've heard me go on and on about how I wish there was more solo music. I didn't mm. feel as though this was so Beatle heavy. It still felt like I put in enough stuff from his post Beatles career, especially when he goes, uh, he goes from Junior's Farm to Letting Go, back to back. And, um, and like we've said, a big thrill for me is watching other people in the audience, seeing families with parents and their kids next to each other. And um, their first reaction to seeing Paul for the first time. And just knowing that this is a great opportunity to see an icon like this, you know, who, who knows how much longer he's gonna keep doing this. And mm. this is really truly a blessing that Paul and Ringo are going out at their age doing this because someday these young people are gonna tell their kids, you know, right. Paul McCartney, I saw Ringo Starr at that time. Um, it was very weird to hear, you never give me your money being right. stupid. The yeah. um, I didn't think it made much sense. I don't know why he did that. And to be honest with you, the I've got a feeling moment, I wasn't too impressed by it. The main reason why, I mean, I thought it was a good idea to begin with, is that what I wanted to see was John on the screen and Paul reacting to him. Right. Along with him, looking at him. He didn't do that. He looked at the audience. So in the very beginning, when John sang his part, it was all it was John on all three screens. And then later on, it was the two of them. But still, you know, when they do sing together, you don't see Paul look at John, which would have been cool. Right. Just to hear the That's two. the yeah. issue I had. Yeah. Yep. That's the issue I had in, in Orlando. He wasn't really looking at, at mm. the screen. You know, it was kind of like the novelty had worn off. Mm. Yeah, and yeah I, I completely agree. Because he was doing that in some of the early clips, right? The Spokane right. clip or something. Yeah. He turned around and looked at the screen. And that's what was so touching, yeah. you know. Yeah, but I can see him getting I can see him getting very emotional by doing that and then maybe flubbing a line or two or something. So maybe he wouldn't do that because of that reason. But but uh but yeah, tut, I mean it'd be, tut, none of your feeble excuses. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he looked right out. He looked right onto the crowd when I saw him in, at at SoFi. So, it, yeah, no, yeah, seriously. I can definitely get how you know wanting to see that interaction between the two uh, would have made it that more special. But you know, I actually, 
kind of enjoy it when Paul does get emotional. It shows mm -hmm. how human he is. And, yeah. you know, when he does here today, you can't get much better than the studio recording on Tug of War. But there is something to be said about when he does it live and he gets choked up every now and then. And mm -hmm. it touches you, you know? In terms of actual performance, I kind of prefer Tug of War, the version on there. But when you see him actually be affected as he's singing these words, that that gets to me. And, right. you know, it's a very emotional moment for him. And it, and it affects me and I'm sure many fans watching him and hearing him sing it. Right. But great show. I mean, the mere fact that he can pull this off. <laughs> it's about yeah. 80, It's almost three hours in concert. And um, and just to see the crowd love him, you know, the way that they yeah. did. Mm -hmm. Just amazing. It's an amazing thing to witness. All right. Um, you, both both you and Joe will be seeing uh, the Paul again here on the 16th at MetLife yeah. Stadium. Uh, so will my partner in crime, Andy Nichols, will be there as well. And it looks like, you know, a bunch of people that we all know in this, you know, in our little podcasting Beatles world will be there as well. So it'll be good to hear from, from those people as well. Um, Ken, did you, did you uh, pick any, uh, any uh, shirts up or anything like that at the show? Not at all. I figured I'd do it all this Thursday. Okay. Fair enough. Ken fair is enough. into the music. That's right. I know. Into the music. But, you know, into the shirts too. He's wearing it. That's true. I'm sure there are a lot of people watching this show that are thinking I need a new wardrobe at this point. So <laughs> somebody, somebody, somebody was asking about your shirt. What shirt is that? It's the Run it's, Devil Run. It's uh, the Live at the Cavern. Cavern, Live at the Cavern. I oh, the Cavern, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but Rosen uh, from things we said today, he was there at that concert, right? Nineteen ninety. Yeah. Wow, very lucky man. Yeah, that would have been very cool to witness that show. Very Absolutely. lucky, very lucky. <laughs> there you go. Uh oh. And um, uh oh. Well, if that's if that's going to be it for now, we'll move on to our uh, main uh, part of the show with the Q and A. Yep, look at that watch, Joe. Keep us uh, <laughs> keep us on pace here, buddy. Um, what does your watch say? That's right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So a bunch of, yeah. So a bunch of people, uh, you know, uh, asked us questions, whether it was on uh, YouTube, email, Facebook, and, and thank you for, for, for sending those. I want to start asking a few here uh, in, in a second, but if uh, in a few minutes, if you have any questions that you want to, uh, to ask, uh, please feel free to uh, type away. Uh, here in the comment section. So um, speaking of honeymooners, uh, our good friend Gary Wilbur uh, dropped a question uh, for us, and it's a pretty interesting one, a pretty controversial one, as a matter of fact, and um, one that we haven't really discussed here, uh, except for, for part of it, part of the question we, we just discussed, but <laughs> here we go. Um, Gary's question is, uh, what's everyone's opinion on future concerts incorporating holograms or other techn technical wizardry to put together all four Beatles or a combination that would include George and or John? Uh, I'm thinking the trend in recent years of concerts using past images, recordings, and dialogue of deceased musicians and live concert shows. Also, uh, since Paul used clips of Peter Jackson's documentary showing John singing uh, his part of I Got a Feeling in order for Paul to do a duet. 
Um, so what's everybody's uh, thoughts on this, um, this hologram thing, and then also incorporating, um, you know, other uh, musicians' vocals uh, in, in these? And uh, Joe, we'll start with you this, with this question. Okay. Well, regarding the hologram, holograms, <laughs> oh, holograms. I uh, don't know. Um, people ask that a lot. And, uh, you know, my first instinct is to say, you know, that, you know, it's desperation. I'm not a fan of that idea, putting up holograms, you know, and stuff. But then I say, eh, you know what? What the heck? If it was done really well, maybe I would get a kick out of trying it out. You know, so generally my first impression is to say, oh, you don't need that. and It's, it's ridiculous. And what next? You know, they had th one, th one thing. Didn't they have a show once with Elvis with the leather jacket? Elvis's jacket is something I thought they had years ago before the holograms. But then I say, well, wait a minute. It's not so fast if it's uh, if it's done really well. And it looks like you think you're really seeing the Beatles performing up there. Mm. And there's no flickering or anything. I might be like, hey, you know, that's pretty cool. As far as the other thing about uh, like what's happened with I've Got a Feeling, is it you mean like that, like with... Yeah, incorporating uh, other, you, know, just, you know, members' vocals into the, the show as well. I don't know about just the vocal, the vocals coming in, um, but what they, you know, what they did with, Peter Jackson did with John for I've Got a Feeling with the, the McCartney tour was a nice touch as a novelty. You know, mm. I'm wondering how much they could do in the sense of do they have that much footage. I'm still impressed by the fact that there's so much of John. It's just on John, the camera in right. that thing with I've got a feeling. And for the whole thing, I'm like, I don't remember ever seeing any footage available like that where it just stays on John and then it's not cutting mm. the back and forth. I don't know how they got one camera. I guess they have everything. Huh? Mm. So I don't know. Um yeah, just don't overdo it. I mean, it might be too much of a good thing. I mean, novelty was all right with John. Right. Okay. Kid, let's move on to you. Okay, get ready, folks. My, my views on <laughs> get holograms. Ready. Here it comes. Get <laughs> ready. <laughs> they give me the creeps. <laughs> I just, I am not a fan of, of holograms. I mean, I there is no way... I would pay money to go and see a hologram. Um, you know, I know I've seen them done. I, I know there was a Michael Jackson one uh, done that uh, I believe it was the Billboard Music Awards a few years ago. Uh, there was a Tupac Shakur one done at Coachella uh, some years ago. Um, and yeah, I know they can, you know, yes, they can be done, you know, so it looks incredible, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I, to see people applauding a hologram, you're applauding <laughs> nothing. It's smoke and mirrors, folks. It's nothing. <laughs> I, I just would not spend money on that. I mean, it's, it just, it, it, it just get, absolutely gives me the creeps. I, I just, you know, I, there was talk, I think, before COVID that the Whitney Houston estate was going to put on a tour with a, a hologram of Whitney Houston. No, 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 <laughs> no. Um, now, the second part of that question, um, that doesn't bother me as much to have, you know, like what Paul did, because at least, you know, that is footage of the real John, you know, his real voice. 
Um, in fact, I, I remember, and, and you know, you guys may remember this, and, and those of you watching may remember, there was, I think there was a, a maybe not a full-fledged tour, but there was an event where Elvis's, members of Elvis's touring band played live to um, concert footage of Elvis. Yes. Um, and yeah. I, I, do you remember this? Yeah. Like okay. Yes. I, yeah. Do you remember that? Okay. That doesn't bother me as much because at least again, that's really all that's real Elvis footage. I don't know, you know, kind of juries out as to whether I would pay to see a full night of that, but at least, you know, it's, it's not exactly, you know, smoke and mirrors. There's some historical context there. That's with his real band. Um, you know, we all have kind of issues about how maybe the I've got a feeling section of the Paul concert was executed, but, um, but at least I think that was done tastefully. I agree with you, Joe, I wouldn't want to see that overdone. You know, I think if, if he did that with a number of songs that could get a little old, you know, but it wouldn't bother me if, if, you know, he did it, you know, occasionally. Uh, in his shows, because I that to me, you know, it, it 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 was touching in a way to see you know an eighty year old now coming up eighty year old Paul singing with a twenty something John. I mean, it was it did have you know it did kind of put a lump in the throat. So that's okay, but hologram, absolutely not. <laughs> okay, uh, you wanted opinions. Except, <laughs> there you go. Maybe maybe we do a talk more talk with a time of. If a kid can't make it or something, we'll have a, a hologram kid or two. Hologram kid. <laughs> you better not. <laughs> All right. We'll record her. Don't now. you dare. Use her right. voice later. It's still right. gonna be the real thing. Right. Right. <laughs> All right, Ken. What are your thoughts? They're very mixed on this, and it's really ironic uh, that Gary brought this up because another one of. Uh, um, our listeners, Kyle Hand, who also watches this show, wrote to us for things we said today about the very same thing. And he yeah. had one that had to do with ABBA. And yeah. um, he sent me a link of what was done. And it looks like you're seeing the band on screen doing a live concert. And I don't really see the benefit in something like that if you can just watch old footage of the Beatles themselves in concert. Yeah. The question that I would have to ask, well, questions is, what are you going to do material wise? What are the Beatles going to perform in concert here? Is it only going to be songs that they did in concert through 1966? Right. right. That, how do you achieve that? Do you take mm -hmm. uh, solo performances of that later Beatles music and then somehow mix that in and make it a Beatles performance with all four of them? You know, vocals from Paul doing Sgt. Pepper or something like that. What right. are you going to do? And if you're going to use the studio recordings of the Beatles after 1966, what good is that? It wouldn't really be a live performance. What are you going to do? Add crowd sound effects or something? And uh, I don't know what exactly you do. And, and if it was, say, a Beatles concert for today, would there be solo songs in there? How do you work that in? You know, mm -hmm. it's very complicated. Um, I don't know. I'd have to fully understand what exactly would be done and the way that it's presented for me to really pass judgment on this. But, you know, I, I don't understand what the big thrill would be when you can go on YouTube right now and see a lot of Beatles performances 
the real thing right good quality why would you want anything other than that unless you mm -hmm. want to hear them in some way do later music well mm -hmm. for devil, devil's advocate though here I, I would think the idea would be that it's like you're at a concert on stage right they do it on the stage and make it look with the audience rather than watching a tv screen or something yeah it looks like they're on stage with you, but I guess they're on. I don't really know if they're really on. Stage. I mean, I'm picturing like I don't even know what these things are like. I mean, they look like you actually see three dimensional figures on the stage, you know, not on not not watching a movie screen. You know, is that what the idea is? I don't even know. Mm. You know, we have to know more about this to fully judge right. whether it makes any sense. But judging by what Paul just did with Peter Jackson, which I think is like, I think it's going to be a one off with him. I don't think he's going to keep doing this. Um, but Paul and Ringo seem to be very open-minded about embracing new technology. You know, they're always going on Twitter or Instagram all the time mm -hmm. and sending messages to their fans and doing things like that. Um, so there's a possibility. I know that, you know, Apple wants to do whatever they can to keep the Beatles brand, right. Beatle brand going. And to always have new product out there and to find a way to get new audiences to the music. So that might be something they'd consider. But I think that there's probably going to be other, maybe better uh, ways of getting the music out there than, than this. But it seems right. to be, at the moment, the fad of the times. So we'll see. Right. How yeah, I don't know how successful these things are because we know Roy Orbison did the the uh, estate did that the the Ronnie James Dio estate uh, did a few um, uh, hologram shows as well, and I wish I would have done more research on that and see how those, you know, if they were successful, did they make money? Did you know would they do it again? Uh, you know, but I, I from my understanding too is they do look good. Um, but again, I, I kind of feel like with this Julian Lennon auction type thing, I mean, what are you really getting, you know, for your money? Um, you know, uh, so I, I, I would cancel that myself. I'd cancel it out. I have no interest in it whatsoever. Um, and like Ken, like you, I, I just, I would, I would like this just to be a one-time thing with the, with the Lennon vocals right now. Um, if he's going to go out and tour again, you know, maybe not do it, maybe like bring it out like every other tour or something, depending on how yeah. more years he's going to tour, <laughs> you know, I can, but you see, the thing is, I think he could have done this a long time ago with these isolated, they could have got isolated, John's John. isolated vocals, probably, I, I think before. I don't know about have. that. Um, I don't know, I don't know, that wasn't, wasn't that like with the Peter Jackson, yeah, direct yeah, tie-in but, from what he's been working on now? Right, but I don't understand I mean, why. The, I mean, look at look at the the, the Beatles, uh, the 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 game. Uh, they were getting look at all that isolation stuff they were able to get. So I don't well, see the why video. I mean, the video out. too, not just the vocal, not just the music. Mm -hmm. I mean, the video, like the all that video. They got it. You know, I don't remember them being in the vaults, going mm -hmm. into the vault to get to get at that stuff before this. But anything know. that was recorded professionally into a mixing board, which the Apple right. Roof concert was, you can isolate the vocals. Mm -hmm. you know, the question is how big a how how great a shot are you going to get of John and clear a shot of John doing it right, right. by himself at that moment. In this way, it worked. Mm -hmm. You know, 
Yep. Right. Yeah, I mean, I'm know. thinking of other songs I'd like to see that happen. Maybe we can work it out and then, you know, we can get John's, you know, vocals for his section. You know, life is very short. You know, that would be kind of cool, too. But I, I wouldn't want him to, to, to keep trying to find new ways to incorporate John into into his his shows. Um, maybe maybe he will. Who knows? Um, all right. Moving on. Uh, we got a next question here from uh, Mark Zutkoff, who's uh, watching uh, now, I believe. And um, he brought yes, up. He a, uh, yeah. He, you know, something we haven't talked about really in, in depth yet. And I'm sure we were waiting for the 50th anniversary of this. But I'm kind of glad. I mean, we're still two years away. So why not let you know talk about it a little bit right now? And his question was, I suspect we won't see a release from the 74 Harrison tour until 2024 at the earliest. So you're probably not planning on doing a show uh, at the time, which, yeah, right. We're not here. Probably heard one or more uh, recordings from the tour. Um, uh, so avoiding the obvious issues of George's voice. What are the Talk More Talk team's thoughts about? And we'll just break it down in the sections here. George's choice of Beatles songs were included inclusion in the set list, particularly John's uh, song, In My Life. Uh, and this time, we'll, we'll start with you, Ken. Um, well, first of all, I might be the only one here among the four of us that actually got to see George on that tour. Right. That's yeah. Just yeah. Here. But um, overall, it, it, when I think about that 74 tour, it reminds me very much of the concert for Bangladesh, in mm -hmm. the sense that George I don't want to use the word padded, but you know, he had so many of his friends there to do their right. own songs that George did a lot less than you, what you would expect in a full concert. And right. such was the case in the 74 tour between the Ravi Shankar material and Tom Scott. You had yeah, we'll get to that. Here. We'll get to that too. That's going to be part another part of the question. But um, yeah, I suppose he could have done more Beatles songs. You know, you, I would always tend to think, since they're so iconic now, there's the big three. There's mm -hmm. something, Here Comes the Sun, and While My Guitar Gently Weeps. And he didn't do Here Comes the Sun. He did the other two in that tour. He also did For You Blue and In My Life. And actually, you know, given how religious and spiritual George was at the time, I had no problem with him changing the words a bit on In My Life. I know a lot of people took offense to it, but you know, George was into the spiritual side of things and he wanted to right. give his own interpretation of the song. I don't mind when artists do that, um, when they do a, a, you know, a somewhat different arrangement. So that didn't bother me at all. But, um, you know, my, my main beef with the tour, and even still, uh, when I went to see him, I couldn't hear him too well. Mm. Um, I didn't, I couldn't even tell if his voice was hoarse because most of the time I couldn't hear him. But, uh, you know, I, I just wish he did more material, period, more from his solo career. And mm. yeah, when you consider what he later did in Japan by mixing in like Taxman and If I Needed Someone and Piggies and those songs, he probably could have done some of that as well. Um, I think he should have added a few more Beatles songs and I think he should have added a lot more of his solo songs. But considering the fact that, you know, his catalog with the Beatles, what is it, two dozen songs of his own? I wouldn't mm -hmm. have expected him to do like half of them. I'd only expect him to do like a handful of them and probably okay. more recent stuff. So, yeah, I would have loved Here Comes the Sun. I would have loved the songs that I mentioned. Um, 
and also kind of ironic, you know, when you think about it, why didn't he try to do uh, the Indian stuff? He's got Ravi Shankar there. He's got, He's got Indian musicians there. Why couldn't he do within you without you? Or, or yeah. the Indian for that matter. Love you know? Yeah, interesting. Yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah um, I think he should have done a, a few more Beatles songs and a lot more of his solo material, considering how successful he was with All Things Must Pass and Living in the Material right. World and then the new album, Dark Horse. That's mm. a, those are my thoughts about it. I wish there was more of George and less of the others. Nothing against the other musicians, but that's how George got through the tour by having his friends also take up a good chunk of it. Maybe George wasn't ready to do a full two hour show of just his music. So mm. those are my thoughts about it. Yeah, it's interesting, too, because, you know, he's always, in a way, band-minded as well, you know, giving, you know, the other band members their, their you know, minutes in, in the spotlight as well. So, I mean, I can kind of get it, but not to that extent, like you were talking about, Ken. You know, I, I agree with you. Uh, Kit, let's, let's move on with you. Okay, well, uh, the first part uh, of this question um, yeah, I found it fascinating. I uh, find it fascinating that he chose in my wife. Um, I um, I understand he, he chose it as as kind of a tribute uh, to John, um, you know, kind of a salute uh, to him. Um, you know, it's interesting that he picked in my wife uh, because obviously mm -hmm. there were a number of other uh, songs he could have picked. Um, and uh, you know, perhaps it it is you know kind of what you were saying, Ken, that it it can be interpreted in a spiritual way and he did change the lyrics a bit to reflect that but we'll we'll talk about that further in a minute um you know but it but it is interesting you know why that one and uh you know there when there were others he could have chosen um yeah why not here comes the sun he's done it before i mean he did it in yeah. bangladesh um and and you know did it extremely well. I mean, that would have gotten a great reception. Um, it doesn't surprise me though that he didn't play more Beatles stuff because you know, remember, this is a this is a time where this is his first headlining tour, you know. Um, and I think he was trying to establish himself as you know, his own as a solo artist and probably was trying to not completely distance himself from the Beatles stuff. I mean, he knows that. He's obviously he's always going to be identified with that, um, but he probably figured, okay, I have to play a few songs to uh, you know for the crowd, but right. I want to focus on other things. But you have a good point, Ken. That you know why didn't he play more solo stuff then? I mean, why mm. didn't he play more from All Things Must Pass or Living the Material World or whatever? I mean, you know, you think okay, if you feel that way, why didn't you play <laughs> you know even more? Um, but in a way, though, then that that slim, you know, the, the slim number of songs from the Beatles years doesn't surprise me. I mean, Paul did that uh, in, you know, in the early years when he was touring with Wings because he wanted to establish, you know, this is this is who he is now. Um, so. Uh, so, yeah, I think the slim number of, of Beatles songs doesn't surprise me. Um, mm. OK, particularly. all right. Gotcha. Even the Wings Over America tour, he only did five Beatles songs. Right. Exactly. And look at him now. Yeah. Think about John, the one to one <laughs> concert. Right. All those come together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one. Yeah. yeah. We'll go in the past. One. Yeah. 
Yeah. All right, Joe, what do you got? Well, yeah, it doesn't surprise me that George didn't do more Beatles songs at that particular time. And he kind of did everything from what I what I've heard, what I understand his way, the way he wanted to present everything. I didn't like him changing the lyrics personally. Um, and I think he also changed uh, the lyrics of While My Guitar Gently Weeps. Right. Yeah. Didn't he also do that? Um, but, you know, I, I think I can't really offer anything else. Um I, I wish I, I wish I had seen the tour just just to say that I, I got to see George, but uh, I've heard a lot of lackluster stuff about that tour, and uh, uh, you know it, it's it would be good to have a documentary or something out that we could really judge it and maybe get a new uh, you know uh, re reappraisal or something you know, but a story that I always think about is how if if you recall again in the anthology I remember there's footage of the. Surviving Beatles sitting around a table talking about different things. And George is bellyaching about how, oh, I went to see Elvis and it was so disappointing. And I just kept thinking, just put your jeans on and sing. That's all right, mama. That's what I want to see, you know, that kind of thing. And here he is, you know, oh, it's a, you know, but he got mad at the fans who didn't appreciate it, you know. And he would say, I think there's a story where he kind of said at one point, I die for Indian music, but not for this pointing right. to his guitar or something like that because he didn't like the reaction or something <laughs> of the crowd. But I always thought that was a little hypocritical. It's like, you see, well, you know, you see what it, it means to be a fan, right? When you're a fan, you want to hear that's all right, Mama from Elvis or, you know, Hound Dog or whatever it is. But maybe as the artist, you want to do what you want, you know. That's mm. really all I have to say about it. It'll be, I, I would like to be able to see a really nice quality uh, release of that sometime with the, the the best moments in there and really have a, a new appraisal of it. Okay, cool. Uh, and then just, uh, we'll talk a minute about the inclusion of, of the art, other artists, uh, you know, Billy Preston, I think did a few songs in there as well. Uh, it was what in two sets and then in, in between uh, Ravi Shankar and his musicians then performed. Um, but yeah, it, it, I, I agree with, with, with Ken in that sense. It's just like, you know, you have all these wonderful Indian musicians and, you know, and whether or not Ravi Shankar liked those songs or not, you know, it's, it's George Storr, you know, yeah. <laughs> did you a favor by doing that concert for Bangladesh. So, you know, let's, you know, maybe return the favor, you know, um, but, uh, but yeah, you, you, it's a kind of like your scratch your head type of thing with, with, with this tour. And it, I mean, it seemed like the people were into it from the research that I've done. I mean, they were excited for the tour. Um, they wanted it to be successful. Um, I, I did hear that, you know, the Ravi Shankar bit got booed quite often. And I was kind of surprised by that because he was very popular there for a while in the late 60s early 70s um if you watch his performance in the monterey pop uh, documentary um they he gets a standing ovation i mean people were were excited for him during the concert for bangladesh you know so it's just really odd that the people would turn on that turn on him so quickly um there but um but yeah any other thoughts then about the the changing of the lyrics kit did you have any uh, a thought on that then yeah, I mean, I'm sure that that did upset some people because, you know, these are Beatles songs. I mean, to, to you know, probably people, they're, they're almost uh, you know, sacred in, in a way. I mean, they're, they're part of, uh, you know, 
part of our, we, we were talking about it earlier, part of our DNA, you know, right. and, and to change them, it just, you know, that just seems just like you can't do that. But I think, again, this, this was part of you, you were kind of touching on this, Ken, um, part of kind of establishing this is who I am now. You know, right. this is, this is, yeah, I mean, this is the direction, the, the creative direction I'm going in, the uh, obviously spiritual, you know, this is, this is, this is who I am. I'm not Beetle George, you know, anymore. Um, and so I, I think, you know, that's what he was trying to do. And I, you know, probably fans didn't appreciate that. To, to change the lyrics like that um so you know was it the best thing to do um you know for for personal reasons i can see him why he did it but uh in terms of you know for the fans probably not the best idea okay cool can i any other last thoughts please please yeah um as far as ravi shankar is concerned, there's a huge difference between starting the concert for Bangladesh off with him, and then the rest of the concert is rock music, and right, him right in the middle of the concert, you know, because that's really kind of poor positioning <laughs> in a way. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm sure that there are a lot of fans that respect Ravi and how much George meant to Ravi, and there was a growing audience for Indian music happening at the time in the late 60s. Ravi getting a lot of attention, a lot of it thanks to George bringing that right. music to the Beatles. But, you know, to stick him right in the middle of the show, um, I, I would not have done it that way. The pacing of it would have been, you know, thrown off. And also, you know, it's, it's funny in retrospect now to think, why didn't he do more Beatles songs? Sometimes people just don't realize how successful the Beatles were in their solo careers in the 70s especially in the first half of the 70s. If I was any one of the four of them and I achieved the kind of chart success with singles and albums, George Harrison, All Things Was Passed was the number one album. Living in the Material World was the number one album. The concert for Bangladesh went to number two, but it was such a big event. You know, right. um, Dark Horse, you know, didn't do as well as the others, but it still went to number four on the charts. I would be thinking, there isn't as much of a need for me to be doing that much Beatles music. So yeah, he had his own hits to draw from. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And um, you know, it's like I said, the same thing with Paul, you know, they're establishing themselves on their own and it's not a slight to the Beatles. They're proud of the Beatle past, but they didn't want to have to rely on it. Mm. Right. Uh, yeah. I, I, I get you. I, I agree. Mm. Um, all right, let's move on. Um, question from uh, Bob Keeley, I believe how you pronounce his last name. Uh, you can only take four solo Beatle albums with you to a desert island. Which four do you take? And they do not have to be one from each. They could be three Ringos if you want to, or one George. However, the combination, you want it, you got it. And this time we will start with the queen of everything. <laughs> Bob, this was tough. This was really tough. Um, I changed uh, changed my choices a couple of times, but uh, finally got it down to this. So I would. I'm glad I would you had take, the time. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't hit read the questions in advance. Yeah, really. 
Yeah, you're retired now. Um, I would take uh, all things. I would take all things must pass. Uh, always, I mean, you just never get tired of that album. There, it's just it's a it's a journey. Right. Uh, you know, spiritually, musically, you name it. Uh, Tug of War. Uh, you know, of course, we've been talking about that album recently. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's just always meant a great deal to me, and one of Paul's finest and one of the earliest Paul albums I ever owned. Um, Imagine, uh, Mm. that is, you know, hard hard to, you know, I was torn between this and Plastic Ono Band, but I'm like, you know, if I'm on a deserted island, (laughs) I don't know if I want to be listening to Plastic Ono Band. (laughs) Uh, So uh, I I think Imagine, because that was, uh, uh, what? Isolation works if you're on a desert island. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Isolation is a is a yeah, kind of goes with the theme. That's true. <laughs> but Imagine is probably the first John album I I ever owned, and and I I still you know I still absolutely love it. And uh, last one, this was this was tough, but I think I'm going to go with Flaming Pie. I I oh, just okay. uh, I love wow. love that album. I I, I just year you know as the years have gone by it's it's just you know it's just got everything you know okay beauty it's got humor you name it so those are can't, my four can't argue with that uh, joe you need some more time or do you want to go with no next? no it was very it was easy actually because okay i'm doing it um uh, it's gonna be very boring because it's predictable but i'm thinking if you know i want one by each I want to have okay. everyone represented. So I would do Imagine for John. Uh, All Things Must Pass for George because, I mean, there's so much on there. The one thing, right. so much great stuff. These are not necessarily uh, well, I'm thinking. Are these all my favorites? Maybe they are. I don't know. By each one, I don't know. And then I'd put uh, the Ringo album. I just, I would have to have uh, the Ringo album. Yeah. I love Ringo and all his great songs on there and uh, memories of when I was a youth and, you know, uh, the singles were out there like Photograph and You're 16 and stuff. And for Paul, although this might not be my number one, I know it's not my number one Paul album personally, but I'd pick Band on the Run. Uh, I'd probably, Ram is probably my number one Paul album, but I think I would have to have those songs again for those reasons. It has to do with you know, warm and fuzzy, nostalgic feelings and hearing Jet and being able to listen to Jet and being able to listen to Band on the Run in 1985. Let's not talk about Jet right now because I'm a little bitter about that still. (laughs) Yeah, I know. You miss Jet and your show. Right. Now Paul's added added Jet into the yeah. Lineup. If you guys get that on the 16th, let me tell yeah. you, I'm just gonna be even more bitter. Queen of Glory, you might say. Yeah. Oh, if he starts doing Queen of Glory, I'm going to every show, every. Right. <laughs> okay, okay, Joe. What was the four again? Imagine all things must pass. Band on the run and Ringo. Okay. Okay. Ken Michaels. Easy for me. I wanted to uh, pick one from each. Paul, definitely Flowers in the Dirt. I'm always in the mood to hear Flowers in the Dirt. There's so much variety on that on that album. Never get tired of hearing it, ever. Uh, John, I picked Mind Games, kind of because as much as I love Plastic Ono Band and Imagine, 
There is a fatigue factor there. I've heard those albums so much. Mind Games sounds so fresh to me, and I love every single song on Mind Games. Well, Only People is probably the weakest, but still, I love all the, all the songs on there. And when you've got two killer ballads, actually three, if you consider I Assume a Sin, I Assume a Sin out the blue and I Know I Know, three of right. my favorite songs from John's solo career, um, I'm going with Mind Games. Um, let's see, George, well, Living in the Material World, which right. is the most important album to me because of all the spiritual songs on in there that mean so much to George. The Light That Has Lighted the World, Be Here Now, Who Can See It. As much as I love All Things Must Pass, and I could very easily go with that because you've got two albums of great material. It's just the songs on, on Material World touch me more. Mm. And... Um, every single song on there as a winner and that is all is quite possibly his greatest love song in his solo career as far as i'm concerned and that's saying a lot and yeah. with you know hmm? i was say ken if you're on a desert island you have to have songs like be here now and that is all <laughs> <laughs> good stuff joe uh, and with ringo you know as much as i always praise his big comeback with time takes time which is a marvelous album and the albums with mark hudson especially um i'm still gonna go with ringo ringo was such a classic album how can i not have photographs there it, which which could arguably be his his greatest song in his solo career and there's a lot of great ones and six o'clock which i think is you know the best song that any of the other beatles wrote for him um my opinion you and me babe Oh My My, You're 16, all those songs. It's a fantastic album from start to finish. So, and ironically, three of the four albums, all from 1973. You're here, Tom. Yes. Wow. <laughs> I love it. Came along I love it. Best time. Born at the right yes. time. Yep, yep. Um, I <laughs> didn't pick one for all four. Um, so um, okay. I, okay. Uh, I went with Mind <laughs> Games as well, uh, Ken. Oh. I think Mind Games has just really, uh, you know, for me, uh, you know, is just an album that I've been loving more and more these days, especially the song I Know I Know, which is, has just catapult, catapulted to, to the top of his uh, um, song list for me. Uh, I just really appreciate that song more than I ever have and thought it's great. Now the blue, of course, and then, um, you know, the single Mind Games, just all together, I think a wonderful album. Um, obviously, all things must pass for for the reason Joe said. I mean, it is a journey. I mean, there's just so much going on on that album that I I still don't get bored with that album. It just, uh, you know, I, I can play it, you know, play it often, and it's just, you know, you're going a lot of different directions on that album, and and it's great. Um, and then I picked Ram and Back to the Egg because I love just about every single song on both of those albums. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I just, if I'm going to be on a desert island, I want to enjoy every damn thing I hear, you know, with those. Yeah, I, mean, I don't hear, I don't hear Ringo the Fourth in there. Ah, oh, well, that was, that was, it was five <laughs> albums, you know, but it was just four. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. So, all right, moving on. Uh, speaking of Ringo, uh, Tony DeMeo, who's watching, our good friend Tony, uh, who's been a loyal fan for a long time. Uh, who do you think was the best songwriter for Ringo to work with? So I think he meant uh, as a co-writer, a partnership. 
uh, and you can also mean an individual uh, if if you want to as well. But but who worked best with Ringo as as a co-writer? Uh, and this time we'll start with uh, Ken. There's a lot of really good collaborations that Ringo right. has done, but it, it comes down to two people. There's Vinnie Poncia. There's Mark Hudson. Mm -hmm. The difference between the two of them is that with Mark Hudson, almost everything had a third songwriter or a fourth songwriter. Right, right. There are very few that, that are just Ringo and Mark. Vinnie Ponce, it was always just Ringo and Vinnie. And though I never counted, there's something like 15 songs that Ringo and Vinnie wrote together in the 70s, including Oh My My. And I was always so impressed with the songs they wrote together on Ringo the Fourth, Tom. Uh, I love the, <laughs> you know, the six songs there, although out on the streets, I'm not crazy about yeah. But there's um, a lot of good material there. Gave It All Up is one of my favorite of Ringo's solo songs. Um, Crying is a fantastic tune uh, from Ringo's Rotogravure. Um, I love uh, Old Timer Lovin' from Bad Boy. Oh My My, I mentioned before. Ooh Wee from mm. Bad Vienna. There's a lot of really good songs there. And there's no doubt about it, if you're looking for quantity, you got to go with Mark Hudson, but like I said, yeah, right. it's not like it's strictly Ringo and Mark. You've got all the songs from, you know, Vertical Man, Ringo Rama, uh, Choose Love, right. and the Christmas album, and the songs on Liverpool 8. It's a lot of material there that, that Ringo worked on with Mark. With Mark, right. And, uh, but still, and then there's all the other artists that he's done, like three, four, five songs that he's written with since right. the Mark Hudson years. And then there's Joe Walsh, and I think he worked great with Joe. But um, definitely, I'd have to pick if I if it's someone that it was strictly Ringo and one writer, you got to go with Vinnie Poncia. If if it matters to you whether or not there were several writers on the song, then go with Mark Hudson. Okay, fair enough. Um, I I'll I'll go next, and I was you know over the years. Um, you know, after the Mark Hudson split, um, I've been wanting him to write with Dave Stewart more because I really enjoy the songs that he's co-written with Dave Stewart, especially uh, So Wrong for So Long. Uh, it's not love that you want. I love the the Looking Back song, the, the, the biographical, biography songs, you know, Roy and the Hurricane, The Other Side of Liverpool and, and Liverpool 8. I, I tend to enjoy uh, those songs. So, so as somebody... Um, you know that I mean that, that that's wants to be more of a co-writer like Ringo has been doing over these last uh, you know since these Renaissance years. Uh, I would like to to see him work with with more with more with Dave Stewart because I think the stuff that they've done together has been some quality stuff. Um, so I'm going to go with uh, Dave Stewart. Um, Kit. Um, you know I I interpret the question as uh, like you know someone who's written songs primarily for yeah. Ringo but yeah, yeah. yeah but but there's but there's one that he kind of co-wrote uh right. with with Ringo so um just to just to clarify that uh so um I really thought uh George Harrison knew mm -hmm. how to write for Ringo yeah I mean he really did um knew how to write for his voice uh knew how to you know write for his sense of humor uh and i i just love i mean you know and, and wrote some of his biggest hits on top of everything else i mean you know it don't come easy photograph rack my brain you and me babe of course 
in that case, co-written with Mal. Um, right. I mean, it, it just, uh, it goes on and on. I, I think, you know, those are some of the best songs that, that Ringo did, uh, Sun, uh, Sunshine Life for me. I don't know if I mentioned that. Right. Right. Um, yep. Yeah. I mean, all wonderful, wonderful songs and, and among my favorites of, of Ringo's. And um, I, I just think George just had such a, a gift for it. I mean, even you see it, uh, you know, in uh, Get Back when he's helping Ringo with Octopus's Garden, you know, right. when, when you see him helping with, with some of the words, they they just really worked well together, you know, really, in, and George was really in tune, I think, with the kind of songs Ringo right. wants to do, and, and, uh, and George just had that gift of, of writing for, you know, for his range, and for his personality uh, and so i i thought george was i i wish they had done more collaborating right well, <laughs> it, really was, it was definitely the most successful team i mean i mean if you want to look at it as success wise i mean he definitely had the most success with george by far i i would mm -hmm. say yeah you know, singles mm -hmm. yeah okay joe yeah. Well, not just looking at it as success, in my opinion, but some of the best songs written with George or George wrote, you know, mm -hmm. Ringo. Um, you know, when I when we were going into doing this show there, uh, yeah, as I said, I don't like I, I didn't want to read the questions in advance. We had I had a chance to read them in advance. I wanted to be surprised. But one of the downsides of that is you, you can't prepare certain answers like this right. if i had if i had had it in advance i would have probably looked up more material and looked up dave stewart tracks because i don't always know exactly well who, what did dave stewart write exactly with him i got a pretty good idea with vinnie ponce of what you know what he did and stuff and maybe some other um writers i could have even found oh I, I like i like this these guys together but as i'm sitting here waiting for, for all of you i was thinking george harrison that was my answer. And I was surprised right. when Kid came, came up with the same thing. I'm going to go with George. And, okay. uh, you know, I can't really add anything to it in the interest of time. I'll just say George. I think I think uh, they worked good together, loved each other. And uh, right. I think George knew how to, how to write with and, and for Ringo. And I was going to bring up the Octopus's Garden bit, too, that you see in both Let It Be and Get Back, how he's good helping point. him with yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, I think some of the best stuff, it sounds so obvious. It's like, oh, it's got to be a Beatle, you know, but, uh, you know, a, a, a Beatle friend. Well, right. yeah, I think that's some of the best stuff, you know, okay. with, with George. Yeah, cool. Good. We're going we're gonna to add a Beatle. Taste, Joe. Yeah, very good. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're, we're going to add a Beatle question in here, even though, you know, everybody knows we're a solo Beatles uh podcast but um I, I really like this question from our buddy uh rob s uh, rob's rob's cure music check out his youtube channel it's, it's wonderful um and his question is what do you feel is the most beautiful beatles song and um yeah <laughs> um you know there's many out there many out there and uh, i'd like to get uh, what you know our, our listeners their, their thoughts on this question as, as well um this time we'll start with uh, kit this, you know, it, it, it always uh, brings a tear to my eye, and I, I appreciate it more and more uh, every year, which is um, in my life, which we just talked about a little bit earlier. Um, the, the beauty of the words 
Um, I mean, it's it's just you know, the the tenderness, um, the universality of of the uh, the words as well. I mean, it's it's just to me, it's such a perfectly crafted song. And then in the middle, the the wind up piano, which mm -hmm. of course, when I you know for years when I heard it, thought it was a harpsichord. Uh, and, uh, and of course, it's very clever that it, it isn't, uh, but it sure sounds like that. So you've got that Baroque kind of sound. Um, you've got the beautiful harmonies um, of, of the Beatles on, on key phrases, um, wonderful emotional vocal from John. Um, I, I just, uh, you know, and, that, and then that very end when John's vocal goes up and sings, you know, in my life, I love you more. Mm. Um, it, it, it just gets me every time. It, it's just beautiful as a song and beautiful in sentiment. Mm. Okay. Very good. Uh, Joe? Well, when the question was asked, I went with the first thing that popped in my head is the most beautiful. And the first thing I thought of was here, there, and everywhere. Hmm. Um, and there's not anything I'm going to add to it. It's a beautiful song. And okay. when you said it, it was the first thing that I thought of as beautiful. If I really took the time, maybe I'd come up with something else. Maybe it beats that. But it's the first thing that uh, beauty that popped in my head. Okay, cool. Ken? Well, ironically, I had two songs that entered my brain immediately. And it was in my life and here, there, and everywhere. <laughs> there you go. What does that tell you? What does that tell you? Also of excellent taste. Right. Here, there, and everywhere, I probably would give the nod to because, oh, come on, they're both gems. There's no doubt about it. The melody of here, there, and everywhere is absolutely exquisite. The vocal delivery of Paul, the harmonies with the others on the song, the way the song flows. Um, it's just a perfect song. And even Paul himself, when asked of all the songs you've written, which one are you most proud of? And you would think he would say yesterday since it's, you know, the most covered song I think of all time, but mm -hmm. he goes with here, there and everywhere. And um, I can't argue with that. It's as perfect a song as you could write. So is in my life, <laughs> but um, yeah. you know, for my taste, I think I'll go with here, there and everywhere. It wasn't oh. Hey Bulldog. <laughs> <laughs> gorgeous <laughs> all, all great picks yeah all great picks um I, you know i don't know why may, well i know i mean because i think this is beautiful and sometimes sadness can be beautiful but she's leaving home for Ooh, me um, I, I just think is you know especially with that opening harp playing i think is absolutely gorgeous and in the instrumentation throughout is i think is great and you know and, and paul and john together on that i think is beautiful as well and yeah it's a sad little story but it's it's done very beautifully and i i'm going to i'm just going to go with that <laughs> it, it, is, it is a beautiful arrangement <laughs> it right it really yeah. is yeah. so many okay. yeah oh yeah absolutely absolutely i was thinking um, of old brown shoe but Right there, you go. Um, <laughs> I hope I'm pronouncing this right, but uh, he is here now, and it's uh, the real Jackson. Um, and his question is: Is have any of you listened to Macca's orchestral uh, work, and what do you think of them? Um, Joe, we'll start with you. I knew, I knew you'd start <laughs> with me first. That one. 
The answer is no, I have not. And uh, I'm ashamed of myself. I'll take off my headphones now. No, um, <laughs> I just, uh, I should be more interested because it's Paul. I haven't heard Liverpool Oratorio. I haven't heard uh, Ocean's Kingdom, uh, I, which although I have some of these things in the collection. Um, I don't know why. I just haven't gotten to them. I'm not really that interested. Although I think it's a great feather in the cap that Paul we talked uh, about, well we, well, we were talking earlier amongst ourselves <laughs> about Paul's uh, many uh, uh, different achievements and styles he's done. I think it's fantastic that the man does everything. He can do it, do it all. But, uh, yeah, I just haven't, I have not been into it, so I can't give you my Fair answer. Enough. Well, I mean, if you're not into that kind of music to begin with, I can see how it might be hard for people to to appreciate. And I'm not saying that you're not into that kind of music, Joe, but I'm just saying in general, you know. The, you know. the ones you know I like, you know, Swan Lake. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Stuff I like. Right. No, and I get it. I get it because it, it took me a, a, a quite a few, a quite quite some years to to really appreciate that kind of music as well. Um, but uh, Ken, I have heard all of his stuff, and I think most of it is wonderful. Um, if you're referring to the full blown classical works, right? That and there's also the shorter pieces that he's done, mm -hmm. and I've listened to all of them. I really love Liverpool Oratorio. And it's very easy once you listen to it without even being told, you're going to think Paul McCartney wrote this. There's something about that he has trademark melodies where you just right. know that it's him. And um, the oratorio is certainly, in my opinion, the most commercial of all the stuff that he's done. Standing Stone is a tough listen because it doesn't flow the way that most McCartney melodies do for me. There's a, there's a lot of dissonance in the way that the melodies are going. And it's very unusual in that regard. Although mm -hmm. Celebration is a beautiful piece of music from Standing Stone. Ocean's yeah. Kingdom is actually really good. Um, and I remember the first time listening to it, one of the movements was either the first or the second, reminded me a lot of the music of West Side Story for some reason. And I don't quite know why. <laughs> I'm sure that Paul's listened to, to uh, West Side Story, but... Um, there's some really great moments on Ocean's Kingdom. But then there's this other world of all these shorter pieces of music that he's written, uh, some of which is on working classical and uh, something like Haymakers or Spiral, uh, A Leaf, which was a really um, interesting piece of work yes. that was first on, on piano. They're really nice. But, you know, the thing is, you've got to take the time to really listen, because when you're dealing with long pieces of music, even if they're 10 minutes, if your ears are not trained to that, if you're used to three, four minute rock songs, right, you've got to sit down. Same thing with progressive rock. You know, there's a lot of progressive rock songs like from Yes that take up a whole side. You know, not everybody is suited for that or has the patience to sit through and try and learn this stuff. It takes a while to really digest it. But I think mm -hmm. a lot of the shorter pieces work very well, um, including Tuesday which is uh, one of the, the pieces that he wrote for one of his animated shorts, which is beautiful. But definitely pick up Working Classical as an album because those shorter pieces are very interesting. They're more digestible because they're shorter. But um, there's a lot of stuff. Once you get used to it, you'll appreciate it a lot more. I think that it's, it's a side of McCartney that a lot of his fans have not explored. But then again, if you're not really into classical music at all, it might be a tough listen. And you may not have patience for it. 
but I definitely think it's it's worth your while. Definitely listen to Liverpool Oratoria and Ocean's Kingdom and Working Classical. Standing Stone yeah. is tougher. So. Yeah, I, I agree with you a little bit, um, you know, with, with the length of the pieces, you know, if you're somebody that just wants to get introduced to that, I mean, Working Classical, I think, is a nice introduction yeah. uh, to his classical music, because, yeah, they're, they're shorter, uh, and they're not as time consuming, and they're not, you know, it's not asking a lot for, from you as the listener. Uh, but if you do then enjoy that, I think you will really enjoy Liverpool oratorial. Um, I am a big fan of Standing Stone. I, I, I think it's, uh, you know, a wonderful piece from, from Paul and I, and it's a very courageous piece. I mean, it's very different. There, there's some, um, there's some different stuff in there that you wouldn't expect from Paul in there. And, and I think it's, you know, um, a really good piece. Um, the, the, the Ocean's Kingdom, like you said, I wasn't expecting anything out of this because it's music for a ballet. I ended up really enjoying it, uh, you know, and, and it was just, I, you know, I play it every once in a while when, um, you know, we're just doing chores around the house and, you know, and I'll play that. And it's, it's just a really beautiful um, piece of music. Um, and uh, yeah, I, it's an area that I wish more McCartney fans would just take the chance, even if you're not a fan of that style of music, you know, to get working classical. And if you enjoy that, then maybe venture out to his, uh, to his other pieces. Um, Kit? All right, you've, you've convinced me. I'm going to pick up <laughs> working classical because uh, that's one of the things that, that has kind of intimidated me that, you know, it is kind of like where do you start uh, because right. I'm, I'm not admittedly uh, a, a real classical aficionado. I mean, I love jazz. I love many other uh, forms of a classical. It's just one that I've never fully explored. And so that has been a thing for me and, and maybe other fans too is you know he has done you know a number of classical works it's you know where do you start um and so it sounds like working classical is is the place to to start as a as an introduction mm -hmm. um and so uh, so i think that's that is what i will do so uh cool. i will i will check that out i look forward to, to hearing absolutely. your thoughts okay um mm -hmm. absolutely Here's one that I like. I, I like this one a lot. Um, and I, and this, the person's name is not pronounceable to my, in my opinion. Um, but if he's listening, hopefully you are, and you'll you'll get you'll you'll be happy that we answered this question. So um, uh, the question is: Is who do what the what do we think is Lennon is Macca's most Lennon-esque song, and what do we think is Lennon's most Macca-esque? song you know what i mean so what's what lennon song reminds you of mccartney and what mccartney song reminds you of lennon and um you know I, i've thought about this if you guys need a second to think about it I'll, I, ha I'll I have my mccartney when it sounds like lennon right um and you know and to me when i think of mccartney uh, you know being lennon-esque i i, I kind of think you know, you want something to reflect, you know, honesty, you know, truth, you know, uh, something like that. And when I think that, I, I sometimes I think the song Happy With You, because he's, I think he is telling us about him and, you know, his feelings and, and, and how he feels now. And, you know, and he's in a better place. And then, you know, he, he lets us know, you know, that he wasn't in such a bad place. And I think that's kind of Lennon-esque uh, in a way. 
um, maybe not so much musically, but uh, but I think lyrically, um, to me, that's that's kind of Lennon-esque. And um, Lennon, that which would remind me of of McCartney, is um, is starting over. Um, I can see. I, I mean, I can see John is, you know, vocally all over the place, which where Paul is kind of vocally all over, all over the place on a lot of his stuff. And uh, I, you know, I really don't hear that a lot from, from, from John. And I think it is a pretty melodic, melodic song. And I think it's um, something that um, would, something that Paul would do. And maybe even Beautiful Boy as well uh, is something that I think um, Paul would, uh, is kind of McCartney-esque as, as, as well. So, um, but that's just my faults or my thoughts. And uh, uh, we'll, we'll go to Kit next. Okay. Yep. I found, found my notes here. Um, yeah, this was, this was very interesting. Uh, this, this took some, some thought. Um, most Lennon-esque song by, by, uh, by Paul. Um, so I was thinking about something that's more confessional, um, mm -hmm. you know, something where he's, you know, bearing, his soul yeah. more um and uh and what came to mind was writing to vanity fair because mm -hmm. i remember when i first heard that song i i was really taken aback you know because it was really one of the first times where i thought you know paul i just thought wow you know paul is really you know showing his, his anger towards mm -hmm. somebody and you know i mean i i and also it was a little bit in in parts of a, a little bit more of a bare bones production uh not throughout but at, at times which john would like um and uh, but it was mainly just that you know that raw kind of feeling which was not always typical of paul to do um it was much more personal um so i you know and it just struck me from the first time i heard it uh mm. so that that's there as far as mccartney-esque song uh by john uh same album that you were talking about but i chose woman uh, um mm. because even the uh the harmonies on that i could definitely see paul and linda I know the, the the part, you know, that I love you. I mean, you know, almost even a little wings-ish. Um, but definitely, you know, it's a little bit in the realm of maybe I'm amazed in, in terms of the sentiment expressed. Um, and, uh, you know, very, uh, you know, very romantic and, and you know, thanking, uh, thanking his, uh, his wife for, you know, kind of putting putting up with his with his garbage and for kind of saving him, and you know some right. of the same sentiments of, of maybe I'm amazed. So, uh, so point. I could definitely see Paul doing a song like that. Okay, excellent. I like it. Ten. Well, this is going to disappoint all of you, but my initial reaction: uh -oh. was no songs. <laughs> um, <laughs> I can see only because it's been said a lot. Let me roll it. Right. Thanks. A lot of people have said it's very plastic auto bandish. And I can see right. I'm thinking more in terms of melody and arrangement as opposed to the lyrics. Um, both John and Paul have such individual styles that I can't really see Paul singing John songs or John singing Paul songs. I could see their admiration 
for each other and Paul saying how much he likes Beautiful Boy as a song, but I can't really see him writing that song. He's written so much beautiful, sentimental stuff Paul has, and so has John. If you're talking about lyrically and confessional, yeah, I could see maybe I'm amazed in that regard. Something like Some Days, where he's saying, uh, we don't need anybody else to tell us love yeah. real. Yeah. To me, that's very, you know, kind of like isolation in a way, right. just thinking about your relationship with your woman. So, but, you know, John and Paul, their styles are so individualistic. And they were even when, when they were in the Beatles that, um, you know, I can hear certain John songs as Beatles songs, but not as a Paul McCartney song. Same thing with Paul, certain songs he's done in his solo career, I can hear as Beatles songs, but not as John singing it, you know? That's just how okay. my ears are. I think their styles are so unique to each other. Right, okay, fair enough. And we're gonna finish it off here. Uh, how about me oh, give one? No, oh, Joe, sorry, Joe hasn't Joe. answered. Sorry, Joe. <laughs> not gonna, not gonna, <laughs> go ahead, buddy, gonna, go ahead. Not gonna huh? be very unique, because it's the same, uh, both you people have said these. Um, let me roll. It was the first thing that popped in my head as far as uh, Paul sounding like John, but that was just because of the way it's recorded and the way he sings it and the, the effect, the John effect. It sounds like mm -hmm. something that John would would do as far as the production, or you know, his voice sounding kind of like uh, changed a little bit, whatnot. That's the first one. Then I, for you know, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, oh man, I I had a real hard time coming up with. Uh, a John song that could say sounded like Paul. Well, I don't know if we meant sounded like or, or the kind of things he's writing about. So that's when I started thinking, and it was just about the time you came out with it. I started thinking, well, just like starting over. And the reason I thought that was because, it, to be honest with you, it was like product. It was poppy. I mean, obviously, Paul doesn't just write, you know, stuff that's just product right. and commercial. Mm -hmm. Um uh, but that's the first thing that came to my mind when I was searching for something like, you know, I'm not going to put something like, uh, you know, stealing glass or, you know, something like that on there. Um, so I don't know. I just started thinking it, you know, even though in the song, just like starting over, it's John with his own feelings, true feelings about trying to him and Yoko trying to get motivated again to kind of like uh, start over and be in love again, like they used to. That's the kind of stuff Paul would sing about also, besides the fact that it's, yeah. it, you know, kind of poppy and like for a commercial right. hit. It's also in style a hit and poppy, but it also has that sentiment of, you know, we love each other, let's get together kind of right. thing. So that was a good choice. All right. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, well, well, we'll try to end it real quick with this one. And I know he's here and our buddy, uh, Jeremy, Mr. Astro Jir. Um, and uh, this one real quick is what do you think the odds are of getting a Ringo box set with the 50th anniversary of the Ringo album coming out next year? And uh, Joe, we'll start with you. What do you think the odds are? <laughs> Great timing, because today I just yeah. happened to listen to the Ringo album during my <laughs> morning walk. I put the earbuds mm -hmm. on. And I was listening to it. Uh, mm -hmm. I think <laughs> the odds, what do I think should be or what are going to be? It should definitely be because, right. uh, you know, of course, it's a big anniversary. It's a big album for Ringo. Uh, but I think that I don't know if Ringo really is, is 
and focus himself for thinking this? Does Ringo have to make the decision? Does the company have to make the decision? Hopefully, Ringo's thinking about it. And Ringo's, mm-hmm. Ringo is proud of that album. And Ringo does uh, recognize that it's it, it was really great. Uh, and, and, and he should be proud of it. So do I think it's going to happen? <laughs> uh, I don't know. It, it, it really should. And I hope Ringo's thinking along those lines himself and he can kind of like push for it. Okay. All right, Kit. Yeah, I kind of uh, agree with Joe. It's, you know, two questions, you know, mm. you know, should it <laughs> and, uh, and uh, will it um, that uh, I, I would love to see it. I mean, I think it'd be a great box set and you know, it was, a big hit album when it came out but um the question is depending on as, as you said joe who's making the decision here um is the record company going to make the decision uh well i mean they're obviously going to make at least part of the decision is it going to sell you know that's yeah. going to be the main thing right. um i mean you know to be to be very cold and, and calculating here um yeah. you know is it going to sell enough copies to to warrant uh, a, a box set? Um, and that's going to be the question. I mean, we buy it, uh, obviously. The hardcore fans will buy it. Um, but, you know, how many, you know, I, I mean, that's that's the question. But, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, that's that's open for debate. But, but I sure, would, I mean, I'd I love would. to see it. Yeah. Well, can I can I always say I, you know I'm going to say I say this all the time on that because and Kate you're not the only one who says it I hear people say this mm-hmm. with with uh, movies certain movie box sets on DVD and Blu-ray are they going who is it going to sell is it going to sell you know and the thing is I yeah. some of the stuff that's out there and I'm just I it doesn't mean I don't like these things I'm just going to say I, I my old standby is the Trogs the box set of the Trogs mm-hmm. I mean really yeah, other true. than a wild thing I mean really. Yeah. And and Bobby Gentry, I love Ode to Billy Joe. I like a fancy. I like a song called Mississippi Delta. I mean, right. I like Bobby Gentry, right? but they but people take chance. They put these things out, so I don't understand. It's yeah. not you, kid. I'm just saying that it is. I wonder no, if no, they I think about it. Yeah, I wonder if they think about it that much. You know, I mean, Ringo, one of the Beatles, with yeah. the Beatles participating on it, if they can, you know, make a case for that. Yeah. And, promotion mm-hmm. and all the hit that there were hits on it maybe you know but i hope yeah. they could be thinking like you like you said will it sell and i hope mm-hmm. they're not thinking that right yeah. I, would, I hope not either i would be curious to know how many copies and how many sold when um capital reissued the ringo album and goodnight vienna a few years back for the 75th mm. anniversary um, those were reissued, and I know Friday Music has been reissuing some of his his stuff as well. But he's never gotten uh, a box set of uh, for any of his albums, uh, really. I mean, there's no. been really no big reissue campaign uh, for for his albums. Um, you know, they they get the release on CD and then they go out of print. You know, as as fast as uh, they put them out. Uh, you know, so uh, it would be interesting. So, but yeah, I mean, who does make that decision? Would Ringo want that? I mean, I would hope he, I would hope so. Would we all like that? Yeah. Uh, and would the the the, sure. the people that make the final decision like that? Who knows? But uh, 
you know, I wouldn't put too much stock into it just because of Pat, just because of the history already that we know. I mean, there were, there is no box sets for Ringo. You know, there was a 45 uh, little set for, for record store day a few years ago, but I mean, that's, there's really, besides these reissues from Friday music and in capital for the 75th anniversary, there hasn't been anything. So, but uh, Ken. Yeah. Well, uh, I have to agree with the, all of you are saying, the thing is, with all these box sets, even the other solo Beatles box sets, we don't really know how well they're selling. They're not right. charting, uh, you know, on the Billboard Top 200, most of them. So, you know, I don't really know how much has to sell to warrant for it to come out. And like you said, Joe, there's a, a lot of these artists out there who might have had one or two hits and they have box sets. So mm -hmm. why can't Ringo? The thing is, you know, as someone who thinks that everything the Beatles have done, group and solo, should have a box set. You know, <laughs> obviously, I'd love to see the Ringo album have one. And if there ever was going to be one from Ringo, that has to be the one because it wasn't right. possible. You've got a great list of musicians to back him, to back him up. You got the other three Beatles on there. Ringo just hasn't said anything about it. You know, right. and I don't know how much he would be pushing for it. He did mention several years ago. Uh, about the possibility of an Apple years box set, kind of like what That's happened right. with Harrison, but not yeah. a box set on one album. Right. You know, and also I know there's a bootleg that I have with different mixes of songs from Ringo. I don't know how much extra material there is of outtakes and stuff like that. You got to figure that as well. Um, it should at least get like a double CD, I would think, right. something like that. Um, there's got to be demos out there, you know, first takes. I mean, there's got to be something. I hope so. You know, I haven't come across them on bootlegs. Um, but yeah, I'd love to see it. Anything is possible. I think, unfortunately, as much as I want all of Ringo's albums to be given some kind of special treatment, if there ever right. was going to be one, it would have to be that one. And, um, you know, the timing is perfect for that. But I think, you know, if there ever was going to be one, Ringo would be the first one to tell you. <laughs> and uh, he yeah. would announce it and uh, we'd know about it. And these days you find out about box sets like two months before they come out. <laughs> right. Most of the release dates, so they're pretty tight-lipped, you know, right. for quite a long time. So my guess is, you know, if there is going to be one, we wouldn't even know about it till the middle of next year. Um, unless somebody directly asks Ringo about that. Okay. I certainly want it though. All right. Very oh. good. Well, um, that was the, the list of questions that we got sent to us. I haven't seen really any in the in the comment sections. So I think we're just going to to end it there. We're two hours in and let's um let's uh, call it a day here and we'll go round the horn here and see what everybody's got going on in the, their lives outside of Talk More Talk. And uh, we will start with uh, the queen. Take it away. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, first off, before I get to my stuff, uh, you can, of course, uh, reach us um, at, uh, of course, on our YouTube channel, which uh, thank you all who have already subscribed. And if you haven't, well, what are you waiting for? All you have to do is uh, just... Uh, hit the subscribe button. And if you want to be notified of uh, any upcoming videos, I'll just, uh, just 
ring the bell, as the kids say, and uh, you'll be notified of any upcoming videos. Um, you can uh, also find us on any uh, of podcasting platform, anyone you can think of if you like uh, listening to the audio version. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook, on Twitter at uh, TalkMoreTalk1, the number one, um, on our uh, website, TalkMoreTalk.com. And you can email us at TalkMoreSoloTalk at gmail.com. We love hearing your comments, uh, ideas on future shows. Uh, we really love hearing your feedback. We couldn't do this show without you guys. So, uh, so please uh, feel free to get in touch. Uh, as far as I go, um, I recently was on um, Sam Wiles' show, Paul or Nothing, where I talked about, surprise, surprise, Paul's Orlando show. And, mm -hmm. uh, but I, it, it was really fun. We, you know, just uh, talked about, uh, you know, all the adventures uh, I had there. So uh, that is up on uh, his uh, page on the Paul or Nothing site. So do check that out. Um, and uh, recently taped uh, an episode of When They Was Fab. We also talked about the Orlando adventure because you know, I, I, I went with the Ed to the Orlando show. And, uh, and so that episode will be up pretty soon on his channel. Just follow me on Facebook and Twitter and you'll find out um, when, uh, when that will uh, air. And uh, let me think. Oh, and uh, I also have um, my class, uh, my classes this fall are up. Uh, at the Monmouth website, and uh, I will have that link up on my page. I think it's already up on the Talk More Talk uh, Facebook page, and I'm going to be teaching a two-class uh, series on the roots of rock and roll. Really excited uh, about this. Um, first class will be in September, second in December. Uh, you'll be hearing more about this, you know, as the time gets closer, but, uh, but you're going to learn about the different genres that make up rock and roll. I am super excited uh, about this. So as I said, you'll be hearing more about it uh, as the time goes on, but you can register for it right now if you want to. Wait a so, minute. so what you're uh, saying is rock and roll came from other genres? What? <laughs> I know it's, it's hard to believe. Uh, you learn something <laughs> but, new every day. It, actually, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, uh, so yeah, it's going to be, really fun looking forward to it i'm going to be working all summer on these classes so cool. uh so yeah that's i think that's everything very cool one of these days i will have to attend these classes because they sound great and uh, you know and I've, i hear always hear great things about them so i will have to do one one yeah. of these days yeah you, yep. yeah so you better you. <laughs> i will <laughs> yeah. right. thank you kid joe we'll move on to you all right. Uh, you can subscribe to my YouTube channel, Mean Mr. Mayo. Uh, I have a show called Fab Gab. We did uh, a show uh, last time, the 40th anniversary of Tug of War. We basically just ranked the, the songs on there from least favorite to most favorite. And I had Kid O'Toole on there as my special That's guest. Cool. And also, I mentioned earlier... Uh, I have a video of the Ringo show, not the whole show, but my experience going there, my friend Robert, and uh, we had a good day out there and got to see the strawberry fields, and then we went to the show. I think it's a fun video, all in all, so video. check that Very out. All right, and uh, as far as uh, going back to 
Fab Gab, we're going to be doing another show. I'm supposed to. I'm going to have a guest. I'm hoping he can make it. I won't say who it is yet. Uh, well, we didn't. We never did the Please Please Me album, believe it or not. As far as going through all the tracks on that and trying to rank those, so we're going to do that this Sunday. So it'll be live if you want to go over to uh, my channel. Should be two thirty. I think. But guest is Paul. Uh, you, you gave it away. You gave it away. <laughs> 2.30 p.m. Uh, Fab Gab with the Please Please Meow. That's uh, Sunday at 2.30. And, and last, you know, as we said, I'm um, going to be going to see Paul live this Thursday at MetLife Stadium in New Jersey. And there should be a video about all that stuff. And I hope I get to see Paul as he arrives, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know. So. We're going to watch. Because the last time I, in 2016 I was at MetLife Stadium, it was like, you know, Zoom, you know, because I noticed a lot of fans put up these cool videos where Paul's really like the cars yeah. go very slow. And he's like, hey, like the, it's really a cool moment, you know, uh, and uh, I remember. But in New Jersey, it's like, oh, right. <laughs> right. You know? OK, cool. Thank you very much, Joe. Uh, as for myself and the uh, my other show, Two Legs, a Paul McCartney podcast, uh, my co-host Andy and I, uh, we just posted our, our episode with uh, with Terry Crane talking about his uh, wonderful NEMS book and you know a lot about uh, Brian as a manager and the business uh, as a whole. And uh, learned a lot uh, from Terry. I mean, he did some outstanding research, and I mean, a lot of the product in there is you know, uh, you know, stuff I've never seen and stuff you'll see, you'll see sometimes at a flea market, like in Joe's videos, you know, I'll tell you what, I still, yeah. I still see those lunch boxes from time to time, you know, um, they might be all rusted out, but uh, you still, you'll yeah. still see them, you know, yeah. um, uh, so that's that there. I like uh, the queen also uh, was on the, the Sam's uh, Paul or nothing to talk about my experience at the SoFi uh, show um, a couple weeks ago. And uh, this weekend, uh, this Saturday, uh, for some particular person's 80th birthday, I forget the name, but we are um, we, we, we just <laughs> we did three hours of, of us ranking his albums, uh, 26 in total, and uh, we had just a blast uh, just, you know, talking about these albums and, and you know, where we placed them and, and everything, so it was a lot of fun and hopefully you guys uh, have, a, have a good time watching uh, that and also don't forget, uh, this is uh, record store uh, record store day is coming up this Saturday where the Women and Wives uh, 12 inch LP is 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 coming. So uh, I hope uh, a lot of you uh, are able to uh, to pick that up. And uh, again, please subscribe to our YouTube channel, and uh, hopefully you'll like uh, like our like our videos. Uh, Ken. Yeah. Well, first of all, let's also mention that um, for Paul's birthday. The four yes. of us just recorded right. a show prior to right. uh, to celebrate uh, the 80th birthday, and we all mentioned reasons why we admire Paul. Yep, and it was a good, fun show. So that'll be coming up exactly on Paul's birthday. So if you can check that out, I'm glad you mentioned Terry Crane because when his book came out, I interviewed him, and that yep. interview is on my website. So yes. between your interview and my interview, there's so much you can learn about collectors' items. And uh, he really knows his stuff, especially what's the sure most valuable it. collector's items that came out in the U.S. Yes. As U.S. products. Really great guest. Great book you should check out. 
Um, on things we said today, my other podcast show, uh, we just did a show on what we call the Green Album, <laughs> kind of going along the lines of the Red and Blue Album, what would be the right. next compilation, but it would be all solo music. And we went through the years 1969 through 75, and we each put together our own list of what we think should be on there. How much of it are hits? How much of it are deep cuts? How much of it are a combination of both? Did any of us do mainly hits? You know, the way to check that out is to go to our YouTube channel uh, for things we said today. Please subscribe to that. It's also now on most of the major platforms, including uh, Spotify as well, Podbean, um, I believe iTunes. Yeah, we're definitely on iTunes um, and iHeartRadio yeah. as well. So, uh, yeah. And then Darren and I, well, we talked about the Ringo and Paul shows. Darren got to go to all three shows at the Beacon uh, so he can share his experiences uh, about those with Ringo. And that's on things we said today. Um, there's my website, kenmichaelsradio.com, where every single week there's Beatles trivia. You can win one of 10 great prizes. Just adding uh, my one last copy on Blu-ray of Backbeat to give away <laughs> as one of the prizes. And um, I haven't done it yet, but right when the show's over, I'll be posting my trivia or game. It will be something about Paul for his 80th birthday. So, and then there's my YouTube channel, Ken Michaels Radio. It's kind of a dry spell at the moment. I haven't had a new show in about a week. It can happen. But as we all know, it never rains, but it pours. There might be a period when I don't have anything and then I'll get five interviews all at once. And I'm expecting quite a lot of them in the next few weeks. If you can check it out, we just did a show which is part of my new Young Blood series in which I invite people who are fans, podcasters, DJs that are 40 and under to give their perspective on something uh, regarding the Beatles. And we had Scott O'Rourke on who does a Beatles show every other week on WUSB, Stony Brook University's college radio station on Long Island, and Ethan Alexanian, who does Fans on the Run. And I did ask them if you could attend uh, the session of a Beatles album, which one would it be? And which solo album would you like to have attended? Mm. So they both give their own opinions about that. So um, yeah, if any of you are DJs or podcasters and you're of the younger ilk, <laughs> unlike us um <laughs> we're very <Shut> up. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm young <laughs> just get in touch with me and my in email heart. you want to get in touch with me is every little thing at att.net please subscribe to ken michaels radio i'm in the 900s now want to get up there to 1000 and uh thanks yeah. to everyone that's been watching can't wait to do more shows Cool. Yeah, you know, I, I wonder, you know, going, just going back to the, your last episode, things we said today, if, if Capital would, would have been able to do that without, you know, their permission, you know, I wonder if they could just like sneak in, kind of like what they did with the George Harrison best of, uh, you know, uh, kind of like, you know, half, you know, half Beatles, half, half the solo career, where they just take, you know, a, they could do a double album or single album, take, you know, four or five from each and, you know, pop it on a, a record or two. You know, it would have been interesting if, if the Beatles could have stopped that themselves from it happening or or Capital just said, you know what, screw it. You guys are, you know, out of here anyway. So let's capitalize, <laughs> you know. This concept of doing this was one of the most difficult. I came mm -hmm. up with this idea. I had no idea. I should have known how tough right. this 
if you had a double CD to put together, mm. there's so much great music that came out of the first five years plus Right. One includes 69 with Give Peace a Chance, Cold Turkey, going into Instant Karma. You know, right. if you want to include album cuts, how do you possibly narrow it down to two discs? Right. And um, it was tough for all of us, but I think we all did a great job. And, yeah, some good picks there. Yeah, absolutely. All right, everybody, thank you very much for joining us. This was a blast. And uh, I, I think we, we've got our next episode already planned out. And I think this is one that everybody has been really looking forward yeah, to. And yeah. I really yeah. can't wait for this episode. So two weeks from, from, from today, we're going to have another fun one coming for you. And I really can't wait to get everybody's thoughts on, on this. I'm going to have so, to promote this one heavily. Right. Yep. Yes, I think you're yes. all going to so like it. it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's coming in in two weeks. It's going to be, it's going to be here quick before you know it. So, uh, so for my good friends here, Joe Mayo, Kittle Tool, Ken Michaels, I'm Tom Hunyadi saying, all I want to do is boogaloo. Take care, everybody. <laughs> happy birthday, Paul. Happy birthday, yes, Paul. happy birthday. 80 and years watch, young. Watch for our show on the uh, 18th. They'll drop on yep. the 18th. Our salute to Paul. Yep. Take <laughs> care. What? <laughs>